I'm Matthew McCabe. Welcome to Miracle Voices. Each episode, we will be delving into stories of forgiveness, healing, and transformation that have come about from integrating the principles of the book, A Course in Miracles. If you want to learn more about A Course in Miracles, visit www.acim.org. If you'd like to visit the Miracle Voices site, please go to www.miraclevoices.org. If you feel inspired to make a love offering, please visit us at miraclevoices.org forward slash donate. All donations go support the work of the Foundation for Inner Peace, the publisher of A Course in Miracles. Now here's your program. Just a quick note before we get started today, if you have social media skills, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, love to hear from you uh, as we need some volunteer help. If you feel moved by that, please just go to miraclevoices.org and go to the uh, contact tab and there you'll be able to get in touch with me. Now here's your program. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Miracle Voices. I am Matthew McCabe, and I'm here with my co-host, Judy Scutch-Whitson. Judy, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well, and I'm really looking forward to this interview. Me too. Bruce Rawls is with us. Bruce, how are you doing today? Hi, Matt and Judy. Uh, I'm feeling great and uh, really looking forward to, to being with you and talking about the course today, which I always love to do. <laughs> Give us a little bit of geography, Bruce. Where are you in the world today? Uh, I'm on the Oregon, central Oregon coast, uh, about halfway between Florence and Newport, Oregon, if anybody knows where those are on the map. And um, we moved here about five years ago. Um, so, yeah. And Bruce, you're a longtime course student, but can you tell us how the course came into your life and a little bit about your background and journey? Oh, certainly. Happy to. And, and I think it's not atypical of a lot of, lot of people that have had that sort of quest for like, what, what doesn't change? You know, what, I, I kept coming up with this question, even, even I guess as a child, I kind of wanted to know what, what was stable, you know, what was dependable, you know, what, what doesn't you know, shift around and can be can counted on, relied on. And so that search for what doesn't change really kind of led me to a number of things. But I was really fortunate in that my, uh, my metaphysical mom, um, when, uh, when she was a teenager, she had an interesting experience where she was at her grandmother's house on Catalina Island on the, off the California coast. And she said she saw a fleet of uh, shiny looking craft moving really, really fast, like, you know, Mach umpteen or whatever, and making an abrupt right angle turn and then disappearing. And she said, well, if it was a hallucination, if it was a hallucination, <laughs> it was a mass hallucination. And, and I'll, I'll pick up hallucinations maybe a little later on, uh, just because it's, it's sort of a contemporary topic. But uh, anyway, so she's, she, that led her to studying metaphysics and UFOs in particular were, were a fascination, but, but metaphysics in general shows she started amassing this massive library even when I was still a teenager. So I was reading books like uh, Nature, Personal Reality and Life and Teachings of the Masters of the Far East and you know, whole, the whole gamut of stuff. And, and uh, it, it still occupies the better part of two, two extra bedrooms in my mom's house in Livermore, California. Um, and among the three books that, that populated that after a wonderful new, new realities article appeared in the house, uh, of which Judy is quite familiar, <laughs> um, were three volumes called A Course in Miracles. And when they arrived, I kind of flipped through them just really kind of nonchalantly and said, mm, this sounds, looks kind of religious. And, and well, you know, maybe I'll check these out some of these, one of these days. And, and they kind of sat there for a number of years. And then when I moved to the foothills, 
uh, in 84, um, I found some other people that were studying this Course in Miracles thing. I thought, well, gee, aren't those, those, those three blue books that I, you know, in my mom's house? And the next time I was down there visiting, can I borrow these? And sure. And then, so I started reading them and it's like, oh my gosh, this is pretty, pretty, you know, deep stuff. I, I didn't really know exactly what it was saying. And I, I like to remind myself that I probably still <laughs> basically clueless, but maybe getting a little less clueless with Holy Spirit's help all the time. But, but uh, you know, throughout that era, um, I would read them. And I like to, to think that I was sort of reading them like Ken Wapnick suggests, uh, which is like an epic poem, you know, or a symphonic uh, journey. Because at the time, uh, I was going through some interesting things uh, in 85, a year later, I had gone through a divorce, changed where I lived, changed where I worked. My father, grandfather, uncle, and, and another friend studying the course all passed on. And so it's like one of those off-the-chart years. So I was I was looking for solace and answers in, in a pretty deep way. And uh, and I and I kept reading the course and it's like, oh my gosh, there's something in this. And I just let it kind of wash through me and 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 over me. And the, the comfort and the soothing quality of the course was really, really evident, even, even at that uh, time in the, in the mid-80s. And, and one of the things that came to me that was um, a revelation from um, you know, just what limited understanding I had of the course at that time. And again, I still think it's pretty limited, but, but I feel like I'm closer into more into the lab assignment now. But the, the idea that uh, from in the ego's hands, the word inevitable is a fearful thing. And in the Holy Spirit's hands, uh, which I like to sometimes call inner kindness teacher, it's it's a very happy inevitability. And that happy inevitability stuck with me. And it's like, oh, if I, if I stick with this, if I keep looking at the contents of my mind without condemnation, without judgment, eventually I'm going to get to that place where I'll be more peaceful. And so I studied them with different groups for a few years in the California foothills. and uh, And then you know, I'd pick them up now and then, and and it, and it became sort of a, a passing thing. And I, during that time, I explored a number of things. Uh, my wife and I started a group called New Frontiers of the Gold Country. We had a lot of different New Age metaphysical groups, and 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 even one uh, one of the uh, lectures was talking about radical forgiveness, um, Colin Tipping, actually. And but we every month we had speakers come through. But every so often, I'd pick up the course again. And uh, it wasn't until we moved to Southern Oregon in two thousand four that I started thinking about the course a bit more. And then and then uh, in 2007, I stumbled across at the Rogue Valley Metaphysical Library in Ashland, Oregon, uh, this book called The Disappearance of the Universe. And it just kind of like one of those fell off the shelf kind of thing uh, moments. And I read through it and it's like, oh, that's in the course that God didn't make the universe. How did I read the whole, the whole thing, all three books several times and, and kind of miss that really crucial point. And then, and then the other thing that I tip, tip of the hat and thank you to, to Gary Renard for, for his wonderful books um, that kind of clicked for me. It's like, it's all about forgiveness. Oh, how did I miss that? <laughs> so the, those were two of the, the take-home lessons that really clicked for me. Okay. And, uh, and then from then it's like, oh, I went back and, got my copy of uh, Forgiveness in Jesus, which is sitting next to me along with a whole bunch of other course books. And I picked, dusted that off uh, some years later because I wasn't quite ready. And it's like, oh, Ken had this all figured out right from the get-go. <laughs> and, and it was like, oh my gosh, that's, that's the, the wisdom in these wonderful books. And again, thank you, Matt, for doing these podcasts. And, and thank you, Judy, for uh, your participation and, and countless contributions and everyone at the Foundation for Inner Peace. Uh, it's just, it's, it's hard to imagine 
what my life would be like. And, and I'm sure for so many people listening, uh, could have the same testimony as like, without the course, I don't even want to think about what my life would be like, frankly, <laughs> <laughs> because it's been such a dramatic change, oh, but not, not all at once, but a very gradual thing. And, I, and we were talking before the recording started about how, you know, it, it takes a lot of practice and patience. And uh, one of the metaphors that, that, I, I find helpful is sort of like a hot air balloon. And if you imagine a whole bunch of ropes tying the hot air balloon down, um, you know, each time we forgive something, it seems like we're loosening one rope or maybe cutting one, one tether. And, and then we keep asking, well, am I airborne yet? <laughs> am I, air, is it, is it soup yet? Am I home yet? Are we there yet? And, and uh, you know, the course is, I think sort of a gradual, uh, you know, slow burn kind of a curriculum where, you know, we, as we, recognize deeper and deeper with each reading and with each, you know, new lab assignment in our, that we call our life, we get a little bit more insight and a little bit more, ah, with the aha. <laughs> and, and we, we realize, oh, I, if I forgive uh, myself, I, I, everyone, by letting everyone else off the hook, um, I'm going to be a whole lot more peaceful. And um, anyway, so, so it, one of the things you'd ask for was, was you know what what is your for, some forgiveness stories and I guess the one that uh, in addition to you know the immediate family and and you know, spouses and all those kind of things that are kind of the cliches which certainly apply to me as along with so many others the one that jumps to mind would be uh, uh, one with my father and uh, he had a drinking problem like a lot of people's parents do uh, it's not very uncommon. And, uh, but, you know, it was kind of one of those managed alcoholism kind of things. And, uh, you know, a functional alcoholic, I guess is the correct term, right? And, um, but I always thought, well, gee, you know, what, there's things that, that, that were um, in our relationship that that sort of typified um, an avoidance or a not wanting to get close or that sort of thing. But um, right before he passed, uh, which was that, that year after I discovered the course and really started getting into it, I, I realized that I needed to, to drop my, my judgments of him. But, but I, I, first of all, I just needed to forgive him. Right. And that was, that was the, this moment where I realized, Oh, I could forgive him. And, and then our relationship changed. Even in that first year, we realized that we weren't going to change each other. And that was okay. And, and, and then behind that, there was the love. And we, we both, even in our, our awkward and, <laughs> you know, incomplete ways, we acknowledge that. And I think that was a thing that we knew. And so the, the, the night before he passed um, in 85, uh, after his third and final heart attack, uh, um, I, I was the last one in the hospital room to say, you know, good night, which we didn't, we didn't think he was going to leave. But he, I said, we love you, dad. And, and I really felt it and meant it. And I could tell that he, he felt it too. And that was a real healing process for me. But that's just part of the story because years later, um, I was taking a, a very person who's become a very dear friend to me uh, to the airport. And, uh, and he'd been giving a talk uh, in Southern Oregon where I was living at the time and wonderful talk, but he was basically drunk. <laughs> and I dropped him off at the airport and, and you know, with the, out of a, an expression of kindness, I said, you know, because I care for what you are and what you're doing, I, you know, you might want to look at your alcoholism. And then I realized when I got home and, and we had, and he said, Oh, I really appreciate that. And, and I'm working on it. And, and so it was a very, very, you know, uh, a helpful exchange. And then when, when I got home, 
I was bawling my eyes out for several hours, kind of kind of like I did the, the day that my father passed, because I was making the connection. It's like, well, I'd forgiven my father, at least you know, theoretically on on on, a, on, on paper, I guess you could say. Um, but I'd never forgiven myself for the judgments I had about him. And then it it, it really hit me on a much deeper level that I, I need to stop condemning myself for all the judgments. And I think that's where, you know, un, untying each of those little tie downs on the balloon of our, our grievances and our judgments and our condemnations of ourselves through each other um, becomes this, this mechanism, this wonderful, beautiful, slow, but steady practice of the course to just look at the, the insanity of the ego's thought system little by little, and forgive it. And uh, um, so anyway, thanks. That's for <laughs> letting, letting me uh, share about that. So. Bruce, that's that's really a very lovely double story, and recognizing our own judgments of each other, and forgiving those, of course, is even more difficult. It seems than wanting to forgive someone else. But I have a question that's slightly on the side, okay, but, in, but integral. Uh, one of my favorite lessons in the course is 121 and it's mm-hmm. called forgiveness is the key to happiness. Yep. And I'm sure you know that very well at the very end of that lesson, it says yet all your teaching and all your learning will not be of you, but of the teacher who was given you to show you the way to you. Do you want to comment on that? Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, and, and that I think is is part of that transformation that happens when we when we through forgiveness, which is the key to happiness, and also a title of a wonderful book by Susan Dugan with a little, little tip of the hat to her, um, uh, and a lot of other wonderful course teachers in the, the Denver area where we live for about five years. Uh, I could I could rattle them all off, but that'd take too long. But uh, um, yeah, that, that that key to happiness is really um, trusting. The Holy Spirit and and the development of trust in, in the manual to me is like a it's just a, it's such a, a bedrock of of insight. Uh, to, it keeps reminding me it's like uh, the, the deeper I trust that that uh, voice that's asking me to keep forgiving myself for making countless little you know kind of like paper cuts, they're, they're the gazillion little little judgments that we make throughout the day. And if we can just watch those, that really is the key to happiness. If we can just kind of look and wait. And judge not, <laughs> as the what is forgiveness section reminds us, right? To just say, oh, that's right. I don't have to think of this as good or bad. I, I, can, I can watch the ego mind chatter like a ticker tape, and, uh, which, which also reminds me of, of the fun I had over the last few years helping with the, the foundation's website and, and the, part of the trust process. And uh, I, I had the great joy of working with your daughter, Judy, Tam Morgan's um, vision of having a ticker tape on the foundation's website. And, and, and uh, Tam said, I know there's got to be a ticker tape on the site. I just know it. And then we were kind of all puzzling, well, what, what'll be on it? And then one day there's this sort of like insights like, oh, well, obviously, well, what, what do 98% of the people come to the website for? Well, today's workbook lesson. So <laughs> there it was. So, so, so I had a little fun with wordplay and alliteration, uh, which runs on both sides of my family. And, and so I, it, on the website, it still says, tap the ticker tape text to take today's tutorial. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. <laughs> yeah, humor figures into all of this very prominently. A lot of people forget to say the course mm. is so 
it's just so heavy. There's just no humor in it. Well, I think if you're open to the humor, you get it. I mean, a line like either God or the ego is insane, not both. <laughs> that just Every time I think of that, I start laughing. Of course, laughter is in everything and laughter is uplifting and laughter is a very important theme in the course and God's son forgot to laugh is another one that I yep. like uh, reminding us that laughter. Now, why is laughter so important? You know, we were talking about that the other day on, on one of our gatherings, um, which we call Symphony. And every Friday, we and volunteers to the foundation meet to talk about themes in the course. There's no teacher. We just, it's experiential. Mm -hmm. And it was very, very interesting that someone brought up, when you laugh, you cannot fear. When yes. you laugh, you cannot hate. When you laugh, you do not feel alone and separate. So laughter, in that sense, is very, very close, as we can call it, a spiritual weapon. And we all just started to laugh about nothing and <laughs> laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh. And some of it was forced in the beginning. But by the time we were finished, we were all just laughing as if we'd seen the greatest comedy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's, it's our remembering to laugh instead of the forgetting not to laugh right that the, yes. the, the tiny the yes. silly i actually have i love acronyms and in and, and metaphors and and uh, you know those kind of things so so i, I have a, an acronym of sssss the, i call it the silly seemingly separate self <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm, I'm so glad you mentioned the humor too because uh, a few years ago when i was living in, in castle rock south of denver and and uh, i started to work on different websites for rocky mountain miracle center and uh, Tim Wise and Lynn Corona and uh, School for Course in Miracles and Susan Dugan, which I mentioned, Doug Sparks and a bunch, bunch of other folks. And um, I was invited up to Estes Park to give uh, a talk at a at a course related uh, weekend workshop. Actually, <laughs> that's what we were talking about weekend workshops. Uh, and uh, so I had gone through. I think it was my second copy of the course. Uh, maybe third. Anyway, I, I I would put little smiley faces in the margins of all the places where I, I noticed that incredible sense of humor in the course if you're looking for it and a lot of that i find comes when you read it out loud together when you read sometimes i find when i'm reading it by myself i kind of miss the joke but when when, when you read it out loud sometimes in our study groups online and things like that it's just like oh it just sort of jumps off the page so i over the years had accumulated dozens and dozens of these so i had a about 75 minute talk on the humor in the course because i think there, there is enormous levity and joyousness and, and I think I, I sometimes like to think of Jesus as uh, the Jesus of the course, that is, as, as sort of a, an infinitely benevolent version of a Don Rickles or a Rodney Dangerfield, you know? <laughs> so he's po poking fun of the ego at every turn and just saying, hey, you, you, you really, you know, you really like this? In fact, in fact one of Susan Dugan's uh, uh, phrases, I, I don't think it's original, but, but I really like it, is uh, it's sort of like Holy Spirit's asking us every, every moment about how the progress we're making with this ego thought system and it's sort of like Holy Spirit saying, so how's that working out for you? <laughs> that, that ego thing, you keep- Not so well. <laughs> the dead horse you keep trying to revive, you know? Yeah, exactly. the, use, the use of insanity to remind us that the dream that we made is not a product of sanity at all is always very important to me because oh, I yes. stop think of it, consider it when I, when I read it in a sentence and go back to the original concept. This is a dream. 
Many of our dreams, including our nightmares, are insanity. We wake up from them and we say, oh, thank God that wasn't real. (laughs) And I'm sort of hoping that the sense of humor carries us through. (laughs) And we can see as we get into our later years, um, as I am now, (laughs) more and more humor in what the world is, even though it's such a sad, tired, sometimes difficult and atrocious place to live. Judy, that's such perfect, perfect mind reading on your part, because I was just thinking about um, the humor that I'm sharing with my mother, who is a contemporary of yours. Uh, I think we're born the same year, actually a few months apart. And uh, I, when I'm in California, um, tending to her, she, she's, uh, her, her visual system is, is been a, a, a challenge for many years. And I know that's just sort of more recently for you, but uh, uh, she's, you know, functionally blind in, in many ways. So um, recently she's been, uh, and she's also going to have a, a very uh, vibrant uh, inner life in terms of, you know, dream, the dream world and so forth. Always has been, you know, uh, very uh, active with that. So what's happened now is, is she's been hallucinating uh, people and animals and that sort of thing in her home in, in, in Northern California when I'm visiting there. And, and, and yet she has enough of a background having studied metaphysics that in the more, <clears throat> more lucid moments, so this is part of my current forgiveness class, <laughs> I guess you could say, is there are times when um, she'll, uh, we'll, she'll interrupt what we're talking about and say, oh, do you see these people over here on the other side of the living room or the kitchen or her bedroom? And I say, no, I guess I don't. But, but I'm learning, it's like, well, that's, there's nothing wrong. And, and I remind her that, that it's not, she's not wrong for seeing those or, or anything to feel bad or ashamed about. And this, and because I'm realizing, wait a minute, I'm hallucinating too. I'm <laughs> and, we, and we joke about that. We actually talk about that, how, you know, metaphysically, because you know, literally she was my metaphysical mentor from day one. Um, you know, she, she, in her lucid moments, uh, realizes, oh yeah, that's right. That's what I'm doing. And so we talk about that and, 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 and we joke about it. And <laughs> so, I mean, again, that there's the humor again. That, that- oh, you reminded me of something of so dear to me. Um, I, I got my education and <laughs> what it's like to be getting old from my parents. Both of my parents lived with me for the last 12 years of their lives. And uh, my father was not ill, but but you could tell he was fading and he was a very uh, astute and proper and an ethical minded lawyer. And I would say his sense of humor quotient was on the scale from one to 10, about three. (laughs) (laughs) I knew my father wasn't interested in jokes or humor. He just wasn't. And so we never forced him to watch a comedy with us, Mm. but one night, we were sitting at the dinner table and he touched my hand and he said, uh, honey, is that door open there? And he was pointing through the kitchen at a door that led to the all purpose laundry room. And I said, no, dad, the door is closed. And he said, well, I see it is open. I said, do you see the washer and the dryer? He said, no. I said, what do you see? He said, just very bright light. And he looked at me and he said, am I hallucinating? And I said, I really don't know. Uh But what do you think? He said, I don't think I am. And I said, well, then maybe 
it's God has opened the door for you to come home. Mm -hmm. And he got tears in his eyes and he clutched my hand very hard. And he said, I think that's what it is. And two days later, he died. Wow. Wow. So I think this whole idea of people who are very, very far in years, which is very common, by the way, hallucinations. Yes, yes. Uh, I think it's like a preparation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Somehow or other, I think it has a purpose in the plan. And maybe it's getting used to seeing what we call things that are not there and recognizing that, well, there's just as much a reality to them as things that have form and shape and depth and material purpose. Uh, I've not figured this out at all, as you can tell, but I do know, and I, I haven't been hallucinating, but I do know that it happened with my grandmother at the very end of her life. Uh-huh. She was lying in bed, sleeping, and she opened her eyes and I was holding her hand and she said, uh, am I still here? And I said, yes, Grandma, you're still here. She said, whatever for? And I said, don't you want to be? And she said, no. She said, hands are being held out to me. And being very curious, I said, whose hands? Do you recognize them? Got very excited. And she said, no, very calmly. No, I don't see their faces. I just see their hands. And I said, are they kind? And she said, oh, yes. I said, do you want to go to them? And she said, oh, yes. And she closed her eyes and went back to sleep. And I realized I was holding on to her hand so tight. And so consciously, I let go of her hand and I said out loud, all right, darling, I let you go. Go in peace and I love you. And the next morning she died. So there's something that goes on with whatever we want to call the hallucination business that also seems to be a kind preparation for the next step. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Using the transition, right? I think so. Yeah, it seemed, would seem like it. Yeah, yeah, and, and and I think we're. I think that kind of ties into something that I found really helpful in in studying the course is is just realizing that it, it's a slow. It, you know, we've been talking about it a lot a slow process, and. Um, but in, in, on every page of the course, it seems like uh, pretty much uh, there's that cognitive dissonance, which I, you know, the, the, the contrast between the two thought systems. And it seems very typically uh, Jesus will, will, at the beginning of a section, just lamp, royally lampoon the ego. <laughs> and no minced words, right? It's just here it is. This is this is what you th- you still you you still believe this, don't you? <laughs> like heads nodding, right? And and yet at the end, then he says, and then here's the here's what your real identity is, you know. And and you know, each time you cut one of those ropes on the hot air balloon by forgiving yourself through this the seeming forgiving of others, um, you know, you're getting that much closer to cutting the final rope, you know, where God takes the final step as the course puts it. Bruce, you mentioned that, uh, you know, you forgave your father and it really didn't, you didn't occur, it didn't occur to you to forgive yourself till sometime later. And I thought, wow, isn't that interesting that there's like some, the mind holds on to like, there's some appropriate amount of guilt that I should hold on to <laughs> because I had this judgment against my father. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you think that's what it was or what, why, why do you think it, I, I, I mean, I feel like I know the answer, but I want to hear you say like, why, why do you think it hadn't occurred to you to forgive yourself? 
I don't think I was ready for it at that time. I, I think I was I, I I was ready for the theory mostly, but not so much the you know the lab assignment of that. Yeah, kind of going going further with it, and I, it's still in progress. I mean, I, I think any honest course student would have to say, you know, kind of like uh, paraphrasing Richard Bach in his book Illusions. You know, here's a test to see if your mission on life is finished. If you're alive, it isn't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and and I'm glad you mentioned the word guilt because that is is one of those words that our culture shies away from. And and I have to tip of the hat to our wonderful Dr. Bob Rosenthal and, and, and tying it with shame. And I've had some wonderful talks with Bob and really enjoy the podcast that, that the, excuse me, the webinars that, that Bob has been doing with you and Judy and all the other folks at the foundation, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, but the, yeah, that guilt, the, one of the, the, there's two adjectives I, I try to remember to put in front of guilt uh, nowadays, whenever I read that word in the chorus or just it comes up, and that is unconscious and unfounded. And the unconscious is the, oh, I'm, I'm you know, we're still tip of the iceberg mode of, we, we, there's still, you know, probably a whole lot of guilt that we're not aware of in, in the forms of all the, if nothing annoys you during the day, that's probably, oh, oh well, great. Then, then maybe you're almost done with the, your forgiveness classroom. <laughs> but, but if you just kind of notice objectively, and honestly, and just, you know, gently see, well, see, there's still, you know, a few gazillion things in a typical day that I'd rather have different. And then and if, when the, the preference becomes a, an upset, when we move from the setup to the upset, <laughs> more wordplay, um, you know, we catch ourselves doing that. It's like, oh, well, now it's conscious. I've moved from the unconscious to the conscious. Yeah. Uh, and then that becomes the next uh, step for seeing that it's unfounded. So unconscious, unfounded guilt. And the unfounded, I kind of like to tie those together with the two workbook lessons that uh, Ken Wapnick said, if you could only mem- remember two workbook lessons, it's be five and 34. You know, I'm never upset for the reason I think, number five. So there's, there's the unconscious part. It's like, okay, I take the, um, the stuff that I'm not aware of as being in my mind and shift it from the outside to the inside. It's like, it's not about anybody else. Uh, and I also have a kind of an acronym of three R's. I, I, I like to think I'm, I'm reframing uh, the guilt to say, okay, well, it's not out there. I'm, I'm widening the frame so that the, the alleged others are really all in my mind. And then the, the next step is we've lessened 34 and I could see peace instead of this. Well, the only way I can see peace was, is instead of this, whatever the, the this is, is to say, okay, well, whatever specific thing whatever special love-hate object I'm working with as my forgiveness classroom du jour, if I take that and ask Holy Spirit for help and say, okay, what can I do with this? How can we, can we look at this together? And inevitably, the, the issue uh, fades away uh, when, I, when I really look at it with the Holy Spirit and see that it's, the guilt is unfounded at that point. But I, I'm not going to be able to do that by myself. So that's the, the release part, this, the second step. So that we've got a reveal or a reframe and then a release. And then the replacement, the third step is just automatic. And the replacement is the Holy Spirit's peace that comes when I just drop egos, unconscious, un, um, unfounded guilt, right? Yeah. Great points. That is an excellent thing. It's like you, you, you feel frustration, maybe anger, guilt, these things come up. 
And you mentioned the word cognitive dissonance earlier. And I always think of that as like having a narrative about something we believe to be true, some like mm-hmm. structure in our life, and then being presented with information that is contrary to that, that it challenges that inner narrative. And the yep. course has just those all over the place where it's saying, what you're looking at is not true. And there's this, <laughs> this uncomfortable, like, wait a minute. How dare you? Yeah, this, is, this is not true. But uh, that's such a good point that, you know, that pain is a sign that, you know, we're looking at something that we think is causing us pain. That's not. That's just a huge, that's a huge, huge amount of progress in and of itself just to recognize that. Oh, isn't that true? That's, that's such a great point, Matt. And, and, I, and that kind of brings in uh, a reminder of uh, one of the, uh, the lines in the course that, you know, it's like, I, I'm going to paraphrase it because I don't have that one memorized, but it's something like, you know, it's, you find it personally insulting that, you know, your contribution to the truth is so, so pathetically little, you know, <laughs> yeah, you, you think that your contribution is, the truth is important. It makes it what it is, something like that. I, I, I'm sure uh, I can look up the quote. And, and speaking of looking up the quote, thank you, thank you, Judy, and every and, and Felix and Tara and everyone at the foundation for putting the web edition together of the course. I have, uh, I, I, I'm happy to have been a, a beta tester for a better part of a year, but now it's like, I can tell the world about it. Yay. Because it is such a, <laughs> such a wonderful gift to be able to just, you know, someone in a study group or a class of which I tend a lot every week, as my wife will attest to, uh, <laughs> she's a really good sport. Uh, you know, I, someone says, well, it, I think it's this, has something like this in it. So type it in the search. There it is, you know, and I can re- re- recite it, put it in the, the link in the chat and, and share it with everyone in the, the, the class or the study group. And it's like, how cool is that? And oh, I'm so delighted, Bruce, that it, that it affects you that way too. Oh, it's such a, such a gift. Yeah. When we were guided to do this, we also knew we wanted to. <laughs> it was one of those times when we say, oh yeah, this is what we need. And the guidance was so strong. Yep. So do it. So like all the other things, we just plunged right into it without really knowing how we were going to do it, where we we're going to get the funds. And it did itself as usual, just yeah. did itself. So thank you for mentioning well, that because it is very, very, very delightful to use for me. It really is. And it did itself in truth. <laughs> I also want to acknowledge in particular Felix uh, Alcala's contribution because I, having worked with him on the, the ticker tape and the workbook lessons and and what a joy to work with Felix. And and he, he, he and I were talking about, well, wouldn't it be cool uh, if – not only could you grab a quote from the, the course, and then when you copied it, it would have the annotation and a link back to the course. And like, and here, you know, several months has passed now, and it, it's now that's in place. Yay! <laughs> and something else. And this is not a plug for the web edition, but something else. As people get older, and many of us earlier course students are older, uh, eyesight begins to fail. And it's hard to read it in the book. And many yeah. times we thought of publishing it in a larger font edition. And we don't have to now. Exactly. Just increase the font size in your browser and you're done. Exactly. And I can yep. read it without glasses and it's wonderful. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> it really is. It really is a joy, isn't it, to, to work with that. And, and, uh, and, and again, the, the, the built-in support ongoing for the other languages and, and the other audios that are going to be added and all the other cool features that are coming down the pike. So anyway, kudos to everyone involved. In- well, now that you said that, I can say kudos to you, Bruce, 
for all the work, the service, the time, the endless hours you put in and helping the Foundation for Inner Peace with its work in many forms, and also for those wonderful interviews that you posted on YouTube that the world wouldn't have if you hadn't done them. Oh, well, thanks, Judy. Thanks, Judy. Yeah, they, I, I, ha- I have fun with that. So you know, they, they are a delight to listen to and listen to over and over again and to recommend to people. Oh, thanks. Thanks. Bruce, we like to, Judy mentioned before we hit the record button that, you know, we sometimes get messages from listeners that are saying like, this thing, this course seems hard. I don't know if I'm making progress. And do you remember a time where you realized you were making progress? Maybe you dealt with something differently and you had a different perception of it. And you're like, oh my gosh, I can tell this is starting to work. Yes, very definitely. And, and I think uh, one of the, the, I guess to quickly recap, you know, when discovering the course and really hearing about it in the late 70s, early 80s, and then finally picking it up and reading it in the mid 80s, and then, you know, picking up Gary Renard's book in 2007, and realizing, oh, yeah, I could, I I could go back on the course and, and learn about all this stuff that somehow I skipped. But, but just, I would say, yeah, definitely in the last um, about, about 15 years, but, you know, I could probably micro you know, pinpoint other places, but it just sort of a gradual process of noticing it's getting a little easier every day and every year, uh, you know, to, to forgive more quickly, just to, I, I don't, and, and I, th- I think that ties into another uh, point that, that uh, I find really helpful um, is, you know, sometimes course students will say, well, gee, now that I'm looking at my mind more, more carefully, I, I, it seems like things are getting worse. And, and I always like to um, respond with the, well, what if things have always been insane in the ego's thought system, but now you're just noticing it more? It's sort of like when I worked um, as a hardware and software engineer in the video broadcast industry in the, in the mid-80s, um, one of the, the slogans I learned was, if it, if it bleeds, it leads. You know, it's kind of like, well, because the, the, the media likes to have the sensational stuff. And, you know, we, we like to to make big deals out of, of much ado about nothing, right? As Shakespeare said. So, so you know, we, we tend to um, emphasize the things that, uh, you, know, you know, that change and that, that really are unstable. But, but if we kind of watch where our mind goes more and more frequently and with more objectivity, uh, it seems like it's, it becomes obvious that the ego, as our beloved teacher Ken Wapnick has pointed out, you know, it's always been 100% insane. Our, the Holy Spirit has always been 100% sane. And um, in the decision maker, we just spend a little bit more time and a little bit more quickly each time something seems to be external that upsets us by quickly bringing it inside, saying, no, it's not about this other person or the situation, this event. It's in my mind that I need to forgive it. And and ask for Holy Spirit's help just a little bit more quickly each time. So so I would say yeah, for me it's sort of been a more, more gradual thing. But if I compare how quickly I can respond and t- tend to respond to things that might have upset me much more uh, yeah, deeply, only because I've hung on to them longer, uh, you know, ten or fifteen years ago, it's like yeah, night and day. So. But I know it's still an ongoing process because if I'm honest with myself on any given day, yeah, there's still a few gazillion little minor things that mostly that are just things I have to say, oh, yeah, that's right. I could see peace inside of this, and I'm not upset with the reason I think. 
And, and while while I was mentioning Ken, if I if I might, I just also want to say how how wonderful it is with the webinars that the Foundation for Inner Peace is doing. Compliments, what I think of as a sister organization, the Foundation for a Course in Miracles, and how these dovetail so nicely with the you know the complementary material that that really presents course students with such a wonderful depth and breadth of great material to work with. So thank that's you. lovely to say. You know, we started out as one organization. And in my mind, I've never seen us separate. So right. <laughs> I do feel Ken's presence. You know, Ken was on our board of directors of the executive board until the day he died. Mm-hmm. So there was a very strong connection. He was appointed to me by Helen as Mike. Oh, Ken would kill me. My baby brother. She said, take care of your baby brother, because I was 11 years older, and so I was allowed to be reminded of that very often. But there, but there is that, that closeness, and although nothing is ever planned, I notice myself that it seems to be in a flow, and I also feel Ken's presence. Also, Ken Wapnick was involved with my husband, who mm-hmm. is now deceased uh, almost four years, uh, in all the translations. And yeah. 28 translations, there was a partnership between Ken and my husband, the Foundation of Inner Peace, of course. And that still exists, if only in memory, but we were given two more people who are just the same in their dedication and and their vision and their guidance ability <laughs> doing the translations. So we have a few more coming out very soon. It's all—it's all meshed, isn't it? We're all connected uh-huh, uh-huh. to other. And you were mentioning just one of the many, many connections that are happening. Uh, I did want to say one one last thing. And if we have time, Matt, I did want to ask Bruce a quick question: whether he feels, as he continues years of study of the course, does he feel a sense of peace of mind? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. That that really is the the, the bedrock and the foundation of, of uh, that. And and again, that's what it hit me right when I was first reading the course in the mid eighties. That the the peace is inevitable, but the inevitability means it just it grows. It really that really the 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 silliness, the laughable silliness of the ego's um, propaganda becomes <laughs> less and less. <laughs> You know, credible, and and it becomes more and more obvious. It's like, oh, well, the the real alternative, which is a section in a class that we were reading this morning, one of my favorite parts of the course in chapter thirty-one, is 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 really the way to go because the ego's um, unpeaceful alternative is it's just silly. And and that's another Kenism that I love. He says, you know, the ego, the belief in that that the set idea of a, of separation and the belief in the ego, it's not evil or sinful or wicked. It's just silly. It's just so forgivable. It's just like a little silly <laughs> blip on the, the cosmic radar of our real identity that we all share and uh, and where we never left. Well, that was that was another thing. I, I'll stop because I could go on forever. I love talking about the course, but that I, another thing that I find myself reminding myself now and then and <laughs> finding really helpful is I'm the only one playing hooky from perfect oneness. <laughs> Everyone's already home and I don't need to worry about them, them, you know, getting, finding their way home. Although we are walking each other home as Ram Dass says, right. But, but if I can just remember this, like, I just, I don't need to worry, you know, my sole responsibility is to accept the atonement for myself. I don't, I don't need to worry about anybody else 
their their unfoldment and and atonement process, right? So anyway, because minds are connected. Exactly. Exactly. I love the ego's propaganda. That's a great. That's a great line. <laughs> it is propaganda. It's kind of screeching at us and uh, oh, yeah, telling us, yeah. "Look at me. I'm important." <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's yeah, real. Few, exactly. A few months ago, I, I I thought, well, let's let's compare the marketing brochures from the ego and the Holy Spirit. So I made a little list and I put all the egos, you know, misinformation campaign on the left, and then I put Holy Spirit's, you know, rebuttal, you know, gentle, patient, peaceful. Uh, <laughs> rebuttal on the right, right. And, 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 and with a green background. And, and I was thinking, well, that's kind of sort of the stop and go of the red and the green. And I realized, oh, I was going to give this talk about this right around Christmas. And it's like Christmas colors too. <laughs> but that's, that's on the ACIM blog website. If anybody wants to see that list of, of things, I just had, had fun doing that. But, but it really is, you know, when we look at the ego's propaganda machine, uh, objectively, it's like, this is so ludicrous, and and I fell for this. You know, the, the initial reaction is to to feel bad and and, and ashamed. Like, gosh, how gullible was I for ego's silliness? But 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 it's just a gentle letting go. It's like we've all done it. We're all still doing it, but we're learning with each with each other, uh, helping each other because minds are shared, as you said, Judy, uh, to to let go of the the craziness and and just see the the deep. Um, abiding peace that's been there throughout eternity waiting for us. Well, Bruce, before we close, can you tell listeners how they can connect with you and find you online and listen to your message? Uh, sure, sure. Uh, I have a website that I've been maintaining for a number of years. It's uh, acimblog.com. And I have conversations with other fellow course uh, students and teachers and uh, uh, a whole bunch of stuff. So anyway, it's uh, there's parts of it that are out of date, but uh, I try to add uh, something of interest, a few things every month, and uh, and also Facebook pages and stuff like that. So I'll, I'll link there. So anyway, thanks for asking. And also, there's a great uh, write-up you did about the movie Inception that I read, and I didn't realize you wrote until I was like, well, who wrote this? And I was like, I realized I was on your webpage, and I was, there's so much uh, overlap between the course and that movie Inception. Oh, so I'll, yeah. Link, yeah. I'll link to that too, because that was I thought that was excellently very well written. Judy, oh, Thanks. Judy, any uh, closing thoughts or comments for Bruce or the, the listeners? I was just sitting there thinking how much fun this is. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for, for uh, allowing me to share this time with you. And, and I, I, it's such a privilege and a delight. So. Bruce, it's been a delight for us, too, to have you as a guest. Indeed. Want to come back sometime? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> okay. <laughs> then to be continued, right? Yes. Right. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening today. Please subscribe to Miracle Voices by hitting the subscribe button on your podcast app. If you are enjoying these conversations, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever podcast app you use. And lastly, please visit us at miraclevoices.org and join our newsletter so we can stay connected. Until the next podcast, I want to leave you with my favorite course quote, when you want only love, you will see nothing else. Nothing else.